Welcome back to Episode 5 of Equanimity. Our guest today, Chef Gagan Anand, pushes boundaries. I want that stigma from the whites to get out. That white stigma that only white people can own the best restaurants. It's completely wrong. You probably know him for his famous 25-course emoji menu that had guests from around the world Instagramming themselves licking plates. But in 2019, after getting two Michelin stars, his restaurant was voted the best restaurant in Asia four times in a row and ranked the fourth best restaurant in the world, Chef Gagan walked away. And the restaurant Gagan closed down at its peak after disputes with his financial partners. I have nothing to lose. I take those risks and try my best to save things and stand by what I believe in. And this all before COVID hit. Gagan's story is one that shows the power of perseverance from Calcutta to the world stage, from getting it all to losing it all. I lost so many people who were dear to me because of my success. But the journey hasn't stopped. Gagan is back with a new 14-seat restaurant in Bangkok. So in this episode, we really talk about healing, what it takes to get to that place of inner peace, to start climbing a new peak, and what this era of Gagan Anand represents. Please bear with us through some of the background noise, though. This interview was recorded on location at one of Gagan's restaurants in Bangkok. Gagan, welcome to Equanimity. In simple world, is it called Zen? I guess it's probably just Zen. Welcome to Zen. <laughs> because I'll never be able to pronounce what you say. So. Okay, excellent. Um, the persona of Gagan is one that is really just unapologetically you. You know, you have a real sense of self. Some media outlets have termed you kind of a rebel chef. You get people to lick plates. You have so much fun in what you do. You're redefining or even bringing Indian cuisine to a global stage. But on the flip side of that, there's also a sense of you really have to cut the noise and stick to your gut, you know, and persevere. I mean, one thing I don't know is to pretend. So if I I am, I am myself and some people think I'm arrogant, some people think I'm mysterious, some people think I am me. So my personality is a very strong one, opinionated one. And I have my strong opinions and I stick to my opinions. So this is something very strong. And I think my upbringing and my backgrounds are such that I I have nothing to lose mentality. And adventure starts when fuck up happens. And I always believe life is an adventure. So this is me. Your life is one that really is an adventure, but maybe more obviously, you had to persevere through COVID, which was a really hard time for the dining industry. What did COVID teach you? COVID taught me one thing, a hard lesson that who are your real friends and who are not. I learned that lesson. Uh, everybody had their own lessons to learn. My lesson was, my good thing was I could heal for all that I went through for the last 12 years. Because, you know, you are so busy prostituting your career. And because you're so busy just being a prostitute to your partner, to your wife, to every fucking person who wants to use you for your success. And then in COVID, my success has no value because there's no income. And then they start throwing you away. Like tissue paper in the toilet roll. And then I realized the most important people is my mom, my family, my daughter. 
and those people who came into my life during COVID. How did you start to realize that? Like, when did you really realize that COVID was a period of healing for you? I think because I started with, I didn't even real, really understood that what I was suffering for last 10 years. Fame game. Fame is a cancer. It eats you from inside. And the only way to cut it out is to get the fame out of your system. And today, I am more free in my life. I'm free of my inhibitions. I'm free about my, of, of all the stress that can bother me. Because I've run a restaurant for last two years in cities, in places without an award, without stardom. I've run, maybe they came for the fame, but that was consistently for eight, nine months. And I've run it because of one reason, that I could provide good food. And today, restaurants have become influencer, social media, TikTok-friendly restaurants. And with no offense to them, but I don't live in that. I am not a YouTuber chef. I don't post social media, edit it and post it. I post what the fuck I want. And I think now I'm more free to be myself and do not think what will others think about me. And that is the biggest lesson of COVID. You know, healing through those times because I was not meant to be famous. I became famous. Why do you think you weren't meant to be famous? Look at me. Everything was odds. I was a dark horse. I mean, nobody expected an Indian restaurant with an Indian chef in Bangkok to be the best restaurant in Asia for four consecutive years and leave it at the top, right? And and not in, and that is that is pissed people off. They would say, why is he number one? So the first year would be like, oh, he, it was a fluke. Oh, next he bribed. Then, but fourth time they just shut up, you know? And I think we and restaurants and us, we live our lives. We are going away from cooking and going towards everything else related to it. And I thought best time to heal was for two, one and a half year, I didn't travel anywhere. I was in my home, I was cooking. I was focusing on my self-love that I could do these things in my free time and cook so much times in home. And that was the best thing ever. So it almost took you walking away from it all to realize what the foundation of what you had was. Absolutely. I mean, uh, to get, you need to give. And to get my inner freedom, you know, it's like those Kung Fu movies, right? Or Star Wars, you know, your inner peace. For my inner peace, and that's what your podcast is all about, your inner peace. The life's, the problem is you have a, the richest guy in the world and he has so much stress. His bank is so full and still he's got stress. And then there are people who are in the streets who are without clothes, without a daily proper meal, without water, barefoot and still happy. How do you relate happiness? And I think happiness is your inner peace where you are at peace with your work. You are at peace with your personal life. You are at peace with people around you. You are at peace with the people who love you. And you are at peace with your enemies. You know, it's not easy to be in peace with your enemies. So let's go back because 2019, you have two Michelin stars. You're number four on the world's best restaurant list, the world. You're the best in Asia. And you walk away. What happened? I lost so many people who were dear to me because of my success. 
And that was one thing. I, I lost my ex-partner who was one of my best friends at that time. I lost people, my relatives, my brother, my friends and my family. And everybody called me that I'm arrogant or I'm too successful or his God, arrogance has got to head. It didn't. Because the only thing I would say was no to things that I didn't want to do. Saying no is a crime. If you today say, I won't like night to, this guy is hitting on you or this girl is hitting on you and you say, no, I don't want to sleep with you. You're a bitch or you're a bastard. And I said that, that I won't do this. I won't open a restaurant with my cousin. I won't open, I won't give you a table because I don't have a table. And that made me a bastard. That made me a bitch because I said no. That made me arrogant because I said no. I have a choice to say no. And that's the problem. And that's what I realized that, okay, you need to have self inner peace. So that I can talk to you freely without even thinking and calculating what are the consequences of this interview. And that's inner peace. You would trade success and fame for inner peace. Absolutely. And that's what you did. I do that right now. I don't have a star. We don't know where we are. Maybe this year we might win awards, but that's a fresh start. But that's why we are having a 14-seat restaurant, not a 55-seat restaurant. My four of my bandmates and Vladimir are my business partners. And we'll be only open four days a week. And that makes inner peace. That we will not work hard and let not money drive our success. But at that moment, you're really in the pinnacle of like culinary awards and you had to walk away with it from it. What's going through your mind? I, like, what was that healing process like? Was that immediate? Like, oh, my gut's saying I got to go, I think, so I got to go. I think go. it started with the volcano. The pressure that was I was carrying for last seven, eight years of Gagan's success. The pressure just exploded. It, I couldn't hold the pressure anymore. It was too much. So it was in both my career and in my personal life. I walked away from my restaurant and within opening the restaurant, new restaurant, within four months, I walked away from my ex-wife. And, and I had to cut down everything negative around me. I wanted to know whether I'm used or I'm recycled. You know? Are I, you used or are you recycled? Both. How so? Used because uh, I'm a giver. So I like to be used. I like to spoil people around me. Recycle because once you're hurt and broken or you take heel and you come back as a new person. Recycling is Phoenix. So both are very positive. Being used makes you understand that what wrong you did and when you have enough financial and personal freedom and strength to say no, you have that strength to be not to be used again. And secondly, recycle that you can be, even if you've been broken hard by your best friends and by your business partners or by your ex-wife, you still have a chance in life to come back and do things that you want to do. Where does that come from? I mean, do you just have extraordinary strength or are you very good at compartmentalizing? How do you always... I'm very emotional and that's my weakness and that's my strength. I empathize with people. I empathize with people and that's a weakness. I would fight for people, even if they're doing wrong, to save them, you know? I don't know how to express my emotions in a negative way. I always take emotions and make it positive. My personality of my food, the way I cook, is a lot of music and rock and roll. And through that, and since I've never done drugs, 
and I don't do too much alcohol, just sometimes in a month. So I'm driven by clean energy, and clean energy is very important. But one thing I always expect from people, and that's why I always fight for it, is a thank you. The thank you, Gagan, for doing this for us, and two, sorry, I made a mistake. But those people who have problems with me have not yet said thank you for making them rich, and have not said sorry that they hurted me in the process of them making rich. And that's my ex-wife, or that's my ex-partners. And today they are none with me, and they have their own struggles. But one day, one day they will realize when they're old enough that yes, they had an era with me. And I have moved to my better life, and I think that is your inner Zen. So I want to talk about this new era of Gagan. A lot of who you are and a lot of the food that you serve is way more than just the food on the plate, right? It is really you communicating you. Yes, absolutely. It's a phantom of opera. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. like the theater of what you're going through, your emotions, the eras that you've been through. In this new era, what are you trying to say? I want to be selfish and be confined into my world. I work and I have a good family life. I spend whatever contested time with my daughter. I'm happy with my girlfriend, and we both are peace lovers. So we like to be in our peace and do our lives and focus on our careers. And most importantly, to take care of people who. I love, and to give that energy of positivity to every guest in my restaurant, and that's why I'm downsizing it, my fame. So I'm not branching out too much. I'm not doing what I will make restaurants and make money from those restaurants because money is very important for people around me. But personally, my job, my work, my art is only exclusive. Do that fourteen seats four times a week, and tell me about the new restaurant, or not really new. You actually opened it during COVID. During COVID, and then you closed, and then yeah, I went through, went through everything. So, the new restaurant is most importantly is uh, a dining experience, theater, music, lights, camera, action, and then there's twenty five courses that come with strong. Theatrical, sensual, shicho. It's a pure shicho, the pure circus. It's it's thoughtful. It's very purposeful. There are a lot of stories in every dish we say, inspirations. But in the end, we want people to be. It's like a Bollywood movie, or murder at the Orient Express that you don't know who's going to be the murderer. That's exactly what we want to do. Tell me how that translates into some of the dishes. Like, tell me one of your favorite stories behind a dish that you serve, or and oh, how is it all the, different from you know the emojis that made you so famous? I always made things wrong right. When I made an emoji menu, people laughed on me. I said my problem was that people come from different genres, language, culture, who doesn't understand the menu, and they would never understand because I'm progressed to my advanced level of cooking, and. When they didn't understand, we put emojis as a global language, right? Which they are. Which they are. So one is that. Secondly, I take life as an inspiration. We make a dish called rat's brain in this new restaurant. In the new restaurant, it's a brain, ugly-looking brain, 
And people say, oh, where the rats? I say it's a rat brain and everybody has to eat it first and they'll tell so they can't spook it out. And we make a funny story. The rats are from the street right in front of our restaurant 31. And that's why these rats are like, they are not farmed, they are wild and they're zero kilometers. We make a joke on, on the stupidity of concrete jungle sustainable restaurants. And people like are in days and what happened and they keep rat brain, but they don't realize the size of the brain we serve is bigger than the size of the head of the rat. So it's not a rat brain. The story is interesting. The message is strong. There's a whole dark sarcasm over it. When they take a photo of the brain, they feel it. And when they eat it, it's just white asparagus and truffles reshaped in the brain. So on a bread. So it's pure wizardry in our idea of you conceiving a dish and perceiving the dish and then eating it and being confused what the fuck happened. And that's the idea about our every course. We play on words. We play on ideas. We play on dark sarcasm to make you question life. That you are next to your next person in the one of the most interesting restaurants and you are all the fucking time in your phone. And that is the problem. When they are sitting on the dinner, they're on the phone. And all they do is... That looks like my selfie face. I, I, I'm not trying to look down on people, but then... The person next to you is more important yeah. than memory. And that's the reason why we did this show as a restaurant where for two and a half hours, I take you away from that mobile. You're captivating. And you feel guilty. You will feel guilty to touch the mobile because if you're in a movie theater, you don't touch a mobile. You wait for the climax. And we want to do that in a restaurant. We wanted to take people away from the mobile. And when they use the mobile, we take the advantage of it. So... Gagan, the new experience is theatrical. It's a movie. But the previous Gagan was also the same. So what does this Gagan communicate that maybe the emoji Gagan didn't? I think it's an evolution. Yeah. It's from your iPhone 1 to now. 14 versions of what we have gone through. And I think evol evolution of Gagan is similar. We are progressive. Today, so many restaurants, progressive Chinese, progressive Thai, yeah. Prog yeah? This is progressive Gagan. Yeah, 2009. Who thought about progressive? No, no restaurant had progressive in there. Right. So the word progressive from progressive rock. And that's why I use music. Because when you go to a concert, whoever it is, whether it's Cardi B or it's a rock concert of Foo Fighters. Whenever you go to a concert, for that moment, you're sedu seductively involved in singing and forgetting everything else. You're part of that emotion of that thousands of people around you and I'm, I'm trying to make a yin and yang where I stand in between the 14 on my right as my guest and 14 on my behind as chefs and I form the yin and yang between them so without the 14 I don't exist and without the 14 on the my chefs I don't exist and that's my zen I love that why is it sort of the mission of your restaurant to make people forget it's almost a little bit like an escapism. Yes, it's, it's for taking them away from that boring fine dining meal. We have movies called The Menu. Have you seen the movie? I'm too scared. You've got to see the movie. The trailer it's, scares it's me. It's what I have gone through for the last 10 years. I hated my customer. I wanted their money, but I wanted to burn them. And what chefs have to go through. I mean, we talk about Black Lives Matter and racism. How racist could people come to my restaurant in 2011-12 and say, I don't like Indian food, but I like your food. 
and I would smile and say thank you. And I feel pissed. And I feel like, how can I give the shit back to this person? But this is what we are. And it is not by a, a genre or a race. It's, it's, it's every time. People come to my restaurant and they look down on the person who's welcoming them or the toilet cleaner. But I bring equality to my restaurant. So if somebody is looking or misbehaving badly in my restaurant, to my team, the door is open to hell. You can grab your way home. So this freer, lighter Gagan, what would you say to the guest that comes to your 2018 restaurant and says, I like your cooking, but oh, Indian food. I mean, now I don't think so. A lot of people still, like there was this lady from San Francisco, her mom, mom and daughter booked the seat and she was holding the phone like this for four hours. And I said, are you not tired? I'm doing this for daughter. I said, tell your daughter to come here. Aren't you not tired holding that phone for the last two and a half years? So I took her phone and put it in my pocket. So I did that. And we hugged and she left. So now I've downsized my anger because my energy is less consumed. I'm not burnt. I've just made sure that my candle keeps burning and not get fooled out. Do you ever get tired kind of having to convince people that Indian food is as amazing and as complex and should be as celebrated as French food or should be as quality-minded as Italian. I, I personally think that we could have been the best restaurant in the world. We were the best in Asia. And why we couldn't be the best and only the fourth best was because we were Indian. We were Asian. The world doesn't accept this, that Asian food, if not better, is equally good. They fancy the pasta, but the noodles was the origin of pasta. They fancy sugar, but sugar created in India. So the problem is that there are breads like kachori in India, which are more difficult than making a croissant or a roti or a paratha. But the problem is that we look so domestic and so dirty that people think that's not worth it. But I try with my restaurants to give that strong message. Easy or not, Difficult, but life is difficult. We have challenges. And every time when you come with a challenge, I like to conquer it with good food and stronger messages in my food. Negativity, you can't control. Haters are full of the world. But with peace and love, you can heal people. And I try to heal people with food. And what are you communicating about Indian food? I am trying to communicate that Indian food was not made in England. I'm trying to communicate to people that Indian food was not about curries only. I'm trying to communicate to people that an Indian restaurant can be one of the best in the world. And that is very important. Not that a silver service on a white tablecloth makes a restaurant better. It just makes it more pretentious. But we live in a very pretentious world. So people who come for that kind of service end up in a dark room with nothing and blasting music, leave home. But we don't back down. We are already on the edge of pushing things. And I think living on the edge is the best thing. Yeah, one of my biggest pet peeves is how people use curry as a synonym for Indian food. Like, oh, I want to go for curry. It's like, which curry? There's Japanese curry, Thai curry, Cambodian curry, Indian curry, you name it. Every cuisine has a curry. Why is it a synonym for Indian food? I think that's because they have not been educated and our history has been wrong. And then 
and I blame Brits a lot because they they spread the curry in a wrong way. But today I speak English and you speak English. We are already corrupted. You're not talking in our language, so I think that's why it's the history and continuously deleting our real history and making a colonial history. And that's why the curry is that's why common in Singapore, Malaysia, and in India and in other parts, Hong Kong also there's curry, and that's why in Japan it's because of color, British colony. You've been on this journey for so long. How much more do you think you have to do in amplifying Indian cuisine? Like, where do you think people's perception have changed? Do you think you've been successful in that mission so far? Does getting two Michelin stars for an Indian chef has it helped us? I personally think that I always said that Michelin has no clue about Indian food, and I stick to it. I mean, uh, they don't even have a clue about other cuisines, but they try to. And I think uh, I. I was forced to take this against them because I had nothing to lose. When I was a chef, I was not even told that Michelin is your biggest fucking thing in career. I got to know Michelin in 2009 and 8. So so what's 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 the big hiccup? It's not it was never my dream. And I feel the stress that people have when they're in two stars to get three stars or when they're in three stars to make sure they are three stars. Why do we cook in so much stress? Why? And these chefs, when they go on awards night, they're stressing and they're palpating. And they come and tell you, Gagan, don't worry. Huh? And I can see the insecurities of these famous chefs who are my heroes. And that's the reason why I want to quit fame. And that's for the reason why I give. Now, if I come back, I'll come back to prove a point. That's it. What are you proving? That uh, you cannot say that because of an award, a restaurant is good or better. But we live in this world. We live in this awfully truth of life that you need these to prove that you were not wrong. Because if I don't get it, people will tell me that he was not good. And I knew this also. When I got my first two stars, I mean, we started with two stars, right? So we didn't start with one star. So the day before people said, oh, we knew he'll be two stars. We knew he's a hero. And then if he would have not got two stars, I said, oh, we knew he was not worth it. He was overhyped. This is the world. This is how media plays. This is how awards play. So being there, gone there, done that. But all the wrongs that I went through to be where I am, I'm not doing that all that. When you got those two stars, like that moment that you were, you know, Gaga and two Michelin stars. I was not excited. I was late and I fell down on the stage. It was not exciting. And kind of a metaphor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it was never meant for me. And... Uh, it is, it is challenging, it is tough, but I think uh, I realized that I was there and I didn't want it further. So that's how it is. You've repeated, it was never meant for me a few times in this interview. I want to talk about your personal life because there's persevering professionally, but you've also been, it wasn't smooth sailing personally. You know, you talked about it quite a bit in your chef's table episode. You grew up in Kolkata. There was a time where your mom couldn't afford electricity. You lost your brother quite early on. It has made me this person, and that's why I could survive COVID very strongly, that I don't care a fuck. I have nothing to lose. I take those risks and try my best to save things and stand by what I believe in. To stand by and to protect and to believe in what I do is difficult, but you have to do it. But I... As I said, even Moses could not protect his people. The Ten Commandments were written 
but his people were having fun below. He freed them from slavery. So I try best to help people who are not born privileged. In the process, I get hurt, not them. And I realize that more I get hurt, the more I can heal better to others. So I run things in my way now. And I like to do things that only makes people around me happy. And if they are not happy, I'm not happy. In relying on making other people happy, are you not then foregoing your own happiness? In their happiness is my happiness. Energy translates. You see the person happy, you feel happy. But if the happiness is fake, then you feel hurted. So I've cut those people out when the happiness was fake. You're still dependent on someone else's happiness to be happy. Now, now I'm only with those people who are real in my life. My girlfriend, my daughter, my assistant, my team, my mom, my dad. Those who are real to me and were real to my... I played a game in COVID. Somebody owed $50 or somebody owed $50,000. I asked the money back. I said, can you pay? And they all refused. But there were very few who said, I know I owe you, but I can't give you. And that they are still my friends. I didn't expect any money back. I knew. Because if they would have given, they would have given a long time back. But in COVID, I made sure that I corrected my energy. I corrected. What's your relationship to money like? Money is the most dirtiest thing in the world. Technically, yes, it touches all the hands. And it is so dirty that today, all the heinous crimes happen because of the money. And poverty. And hunger. So if you don't have money and hunger, those hungry people will do heinous crimes. Right? And that's why heinous crimes happen in Brazil, in Latin America, and in India. Those who are super rich, look at the second generation, third generation. They suffer. And they say, Nikamma in India, you know? Like Kamchor, the one who doesn't do anything. So, having a money, too much money is also a problem. And not having it also is another problem. It's a dirty business. And we live in this such a flashy monetary world that everything is about what you can show off or post. And that's why I've realized that I know I'm playing with a fire called money. It's a cancer. If you go towards the sun, you burn. And if you don't have the sun, you have no chlorophyll. And so you need it, but you need it from a distance. And that's exactly what I think of money. Thinking back to like the young boy who was catering, got his like first job, like big catering break in, uh, in, uh, in, in Calcutta to the two Michelin stars. Looking back at this journey, what do you, what do you tell yourself? I don't think too much. I take it an adventure, keep it a memory and just move on. It, does, it should not go to my head. People thought that it went to my head. No. I just used my success to say more no. Because when I was a beggar, I had no choice to say no. And when I was a chooser, I said no. So they thought I became arrogant. No, I will not prostitute. No, I will not open in Dubai. No, you do want to buy that bag. No, I will not buy you that bag. And then today they might be happier without me. I'm fine with that, but I'm much happier without them too. So I told them no. Everything I said was no. Starts with a no. What do you want to achieve next? Nothing. Because then I'll become hungry for money again. Yeah, I want to buy a fast car. I want to do that. They are dreams that you have. But I used to be a shopaholic. I stopped. 
I wear things that I've bought before COVID. I, the thing fascinates me. I like eating and having good time and going to concerts. I spend my money going to concerts. If there's a concert I want to go, I'll fly wherever in the world just to get a concert for two days and come back. These are my fetishes. So. But what's the difference then between complacency and ambition? Ambition is good. Greed is not good. I want Gagan Anand to be more successful than what we are today. Because a strong message that we are doing something right. A world approval is important. Greed is when you go too hungry for it and when you don't get it, you give wrong things to others. You do wrong things. So it's having ambition, but not letting that translate to greed. So that ambition is willing to walk away. Yeah, Greed is addiction. Absolutely. Through this conversation, what does perseverance mean to you? It means to be honest and ethical for me, to yourself. I'm born as a Hindu. I like to pray, but I don't know which God to pray. But I want to make sure that in the day, whatever wrongs I've done are my greeds that I fed myself with. I try to control my greed. At the age of 45, I've realized there are ways to control your greed. You can feed them till it's not hurting others. And that is very important. To perceive life in a balance where you can every day sleep in peace that and sleep next to a person who loves you. And the other room is your daughter sleeping in peace. Those are the best things in life. Peace. Peace, yeah. Inner peace. Are we you beg for it. Are you peaceful? Absolutely. When weren't you peaceful and when did you feel like Fame, you became... The cancer consumed me. And everybody using me. Everybody. Do more covers. Do more restaurants. Push. Go for it. No hours of sleeping. Come home. There's food for everyone, but there's nothing to for you to eat. Yeah, yeah. That's what fame was. That was fame was. You were feeding everyone, but you weren't feeding yourself. And I started feeding myself. And so the new chapter of Galgan is really... Self-love. And then you yourself. can love people around you. And those people who let you self-love. What's your favorite dish now that really screams self-love? Rice, dal, rice and lentils and achar, you know? It's so fucking tasty. It's like so soul nourishing. So you're doing this residency in India. It's a little bit like a homecoming for you of sorts. Like this is the first time cooking in your home country. Are you nervous? No, you look, do you think I look nervous? No, you really don't. But people either really love your interpretation of Indian food or they're just polar, like this is some Indian food. I challenged once. I mean, that was 2013. One guy said, your food is not for the commoners. So what I did was, I took a food truck and parked it in a migrant workers' meal place and gave them the food that I cooked. And they ate it and they enjoyed it. And then I shut up a lot of people. And I like doing that. So if somebody in India says, not, I say, go to bring your driver here, spend that 50,000 on your driver and let your driver eat this meal and tell him that how food the food was. So that's exactly what I would do. I like pissing people off in the wrong way. Is it pissing people off or just challenging notions? Both. Challenging is pissing. They don't like to hear the truth. What kind of advice do you have to someone coming up in this game? Because there is, there is a real 
balance, right? Like you, you do want to say something. You are trying to communicate something. Fame has given you a voice. It has given you a platform, but it's also taken a lot away from you. I think the one biggest is not to be carried away. There are peaks of your fame, but to maintain the peak is difficult. You have to go down the mountain and go up and go down. So I've gone to my peak and I won't tell you what it was at the highest peak ever, but now I'm climbing the second peak. And this time I'm climbing with the last peak's experience. So if I go, I've not peaked yet. I've not been the number one in the world and I want to do that. That is my ambition, but I want to do it ethically with a 14-seat restaurant where people come for an experience for months in their life. And that is my ambition. But if I can't achieve, I won't kill someone for that. I get it, I get it. If I don't get it, I have nothing to lose. But you're still chasing the accolade. I want to climb the mountain. Which is defined by the accolade. Yes. Because I want to prove that one chef in Asia could be the best in the world. I want that stigma from the whites to get out. That white stigma that only white people can own the best restaurants. It's completely wrong. It's completely wrong that a westernized, my western idea is better than your eastern world. We are third world. And don't make us feel third world. Yeah, Equality starts, you have UN and UNICEF and all this bullshit, but everything else is unequal. In order to do it, you have to play a game or you have to prescribe to accolades that you don't want to. These world 50 best is not in my control. I might be, I may not be. Michelin, I'll make sure I'll not be, I'm not here. You only want world's 50 best, no Michelin. I mean, world 50 best, I don't want. I, I personally think if I get it, I get it. I don't control it. Michelin, I'll make sure that I don't get it. Until they have an Indian on the tasting board? I'm not good in chewing rubber, so. Is your mother proud of you? Very, very proud. What does she say? Give me cash only. (laughs) Fantastic. Awesome. Thank you so much. Great talking to you, with my heart and not my head. It doesn't matter how successful you are, but being able to ride that success from a place of inner peace is really the true measure. Because when the peak becomes a downhill slope, that perseverance and ability to heal is everything. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you've heard, follow us on whatever platform you listen to your podcasts on. And follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at four underscore equanimity, four as in F-O-R, not the number. We'll be sharing a lot of tidbits behind the scenes and more about our upcoming conversations. But for now, that's a wrap. Catch you next time. 